the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. In advance of the South Carolina primary, former President Donald Trump held a town hall with Laura Ingram in Greenville, South Carolina. We are turning into a communist country in many ways. Trump's momentum has put Biden on defense in Michigan. Byron York. And and he really, really, really needs Michigan. It has contributed to a conversation pushing Israel on a ceasefire. Senator Tom Cotton. It's a shocking betrayal of Israel by Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. Dennis Prager looks at the progressive left. We can't let the left win and destroy all that is good. Plus, we'll look at a new report unveiling more details on what transpired in the 2016 election with Russiagate. Trish Regan. The CIA targeted 26 people on Donald Trump's campaign. Matt Taibbi will explain what's new here. This story is similar to what are get out. I would actually venture to say it's far more serious. We've got all this and more. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Great to be with you. Catch my program each weekday morning live, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time and on demand 24-7. Learn more at HughHewitt.com. And follow me on X, please at Hugh Hewitt. And follow this program as well at Town Hall Review. Town Hall Review is part of the Salem Radio Network. The 2024 presidential primary contest this weekend went to South Carolina and Michigan. President Trump was in Greenville last week doing a town hall with Laura Ingram of Fox News. Trump pointed to the now deceased Russian dissident Alexei Navalny. Navalny is a very sad situation and he's very brave. He was a very brave guy because he went back. He could have stayed away. And frankly, probably would have been a lot better off staying away and talking from outside of the country as opposed to having to go back in because people thought that could happen and it did happen. And it's a horrible thing. But it's happening in our country, too. Uh, We are turning into a communist country in many ways. And if you look at it, I'm the leading candidate. I got indicted. I never heard of being indicted before. I was going to I got indicted four times. I have eight or nine trials. All because of the fact that I'm, and you know this, all because of the fact that I'm in politics. They indicted me on things that are so ridiculous, uh, Fanny in Atlanta. The former president is looking strong in his head-to-head matchups against Biden, pushing the president's team to focus on swing states like Michigan. I turn to Byron York of the Washington Examiner. The war between Israel and Hamas has injected a wrinkle into the race for Michigan's 15 electoral votes because of the state's large community of Arab and Jewish American voters. More than half of the residents of Dearborn, a city of more than 100,000, are of Arab American or North African descent. This has put Biden in, in, and he really, really, really needs Michigan, needs to win Michigan. It's put him in a very difficult situation. Clearly, the activist, progressive, wing of the Democratic Party, which is the loudest wing, is pretty uh, anti-Israel. Biden is trying to walk a line to keep them happy or keep them, you know, from deserting him and keep the um, the support of Jewish American Democratic voters. I do believe there are a lot of strong supporters of Israel who have traditionally 
because it's been true traditionally, beginning with Truman, that Democrats were better for Israel on whole, at least in the first half of the state's life. In the, since the Yom Kippur War, that's not been true. But American Jews are liberal, generally. Four out of five American Jews vote Democratic. Let's focus on that for a moment, as opposed to Zionists who are not Jewish. What damage does this do with Biden's four out of five voters who are Jewish? Because they do support Israel overwhelmingly. I think it's Biden's belief that he can call for a ceasefire. He can do something like this. And the ceasefire was is supposedly involving negotiations over the hostages or something, which obviously hasn't worked up until now. I think he believes that uh, he can do that and keep the support of most Jewish American Democratic voters. I mean, that's that's the plan here. But this, I mean, uh, this is one of these world events that just has an unexpected effect on a presidential race. They have to make the argument, vote for us. Israel doesn't need to go into Rafa anyway. Does anyone believe that? It's like going to the gates of Berlin and well, not know, taking Berlin. You know, there's not a lot that Biden can do to keep everybody happy in his Democratic coalition. So what you're seeing, I think, is this attempt to to walk the line and say, well, you know, we're, we're going to call for a ceasefire, but we're going to go through the United Nations. and It's going to be tied to release of the hostages. And he's trying to please everybody who feels passionately about this issue. The problem is the, the number of people in the United States who feel passionately about one side and the other side are both fairly significant numbers in the Democratic coalition. The idea that Joe Biden is going to persuade Americans to leave Rafa as a safe zone with one quarter of the Hamas terrorists there and wait for another massacre, do you think they can sell that, Byron? No, I think that's very, very difficult. I mean, as far as the Tlaib stuff, that is interesting. You know, Tlaib is trying to convince Democrats to vote uncommitted in the upcoming Michigan primary. But, you know, there was an effort in New Hampshire when, where Biden wasn't actually on the ballot. And they were trying to write in Biden. And there were a number of uh, the same kind of Rashida Tlaib group that was asking Democrats to write in ceasefire on the ballot line instead of Biden's name. And they got fewer than 1,500 people in the whole state to do it. So it gives you an idea that this is a loud, uh, it's a noisy minority in the Democratic Party. I think you're right. It's an online, absolutely an online thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Byron, yesterday the Post ran a story side by side uh, how Team Biden and Team Trump are attacking Michigan. The big difference between Team Biden and Team Trump in Michigan is that Trump shows up and Biden stays in Delaware. That's a pretty significant difference, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I think that Biden has his view of himself as working class Joe and as union Joe, and that he will he just has the support, the traditional support of lunch bucket, blue collar, blue collar workers for the Democratic Party. And it's just not that way. And obviously, Trump won Michigan in 2016, didn't win Michigan in 2020, but could easily win it again um, because of people's unhappiness with Biden on issues that go far beyond the Middle East. It's not the, the, the election is not about the Middle East. So um, so I, I think Biden is, is is greatly underestimating the threat that Trump poses in Michigan. And if Trump wins Michigan, that could mean he wins everything else. What's maddening about this or particularly maddening? is the potential impact of a ceasefire resolution. It could leave Israel hamstrung before Hamas is definitively defeated. 
Senator Tom Cotton joined my program as well. Were you aware that the U.N. was floating a ceasefire resolution at the Security Council? Hugh, only through news reporting at places you mentioned, you know, in uh, British tabloids or the Israeli press um, or from social media that finally caught up to it this morning. I, I would say, Hugh, it's a shocking betrayal of Israel by Joe Biden and the Democratic Party, but it's not shocking, Hugh. It's barely even surprising. I mean, remember, at the end of the Obama administration, they allowed the Security Council to pass an anti-Israel resolution, and now apparently they're going to author an anti-Israel resolution calling on Israel not to continue conducting this existential war of survival to root out Hamas from one of its last strongholds in Gaza, Rafah, in no small part uh, on the basis of electoral politics. Joe Biden is below 40 percent in the polls, and he's worried about losing a couple cities in Michigan, a critical swing state. Again, I would say it's shocking, but it's not even surprising, but it's certainly disgraceful. Well, the end of the Obama administration, the resolution he referred to, he wasn't running for re-election. That was just his anti-Israel bias coming out. Here you've got Joe Biden. Don't American Jews follow this? Do you think they're even aware that they're about to be sold out by Joe Biden? Well, he goes much farther than just uh, American Jews. It's all Americans who stand with Israel, who recognize that Israel was the target uh, of a heinous attack on October 7th, the worst massacre of Jews since World War II. And if anything, the United or the United States should be going to the U.N. Security Council proposing resolutions demanding that Hamas immediately release all of its hostages to include multiple American citizens. Now, this may be a trial balloon that Joe Biden is unaware of, as he apparently was unaware of the Chinese spy balloon. What do you think? Do you think that they would float this without the president knowing about it? You know, with this administration, Hugh, sometimes it's hard to tell. Um, but if it's a trial balloon, it should certainly be popped immediately. Uh, and it's ill-advised to even float as a trial balloon. It's like a couple of weeks ago when you had uh, a report that the administration was considering not just delaying the delivery of offensive weapons like uh, missiles, but even defensive weapons, uh, air defense interceptors, to protect civilian populations in Israel. Just the fact of floating such trial balloons undercuts Israel and emboldens Hamas. Dennis Prager weighed in on the progressive Democratic elite. The Telegraph, I told you, the Telegraph is getting better and better. Hamas must not get away with its crimes. The practical impact of a ceasefire would be to allow the people responsible for October 7th to get away with the atrocity and regroup. Joe Biden is surrounded by Democrats. Democrats, uh, the Democratic elite is, is largely composed of people on the left and therefore... Not morally clear. The State Department can't stand Israel. Did you read how many federal employees wrote wrote him a letter that he you know he can't back Israel? This is the people running this government, the deep state people. State Department defends cable urging staff to avoid gendered terms like father. So this is this is this is again part of the State Department is of course uh, anti-Israel. It's been anti-Israel since before I was born. It uh, was uh, anti-Israel when Truman recognized Israel in 1948. They they begged him not to. It was anti-Israel when Roosevelt was president. It was anti-Israel when Roosevelt was president? Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. I believe that. So they, uh, they're the, they now, they want, they are urging staff to avoid gender terms. I told you it's all interrelated. When you're when your conscience is ineffective, it's consistent. 
It's not like it's broken. Every, everybody has a wrong idea at some point. It's inevitable. It's not possible to always be right. That's a separate issue. But it's very possible to almost always be wrong. State Department defends cable urging staff to avoid gendered terms like father. You're proud of the State Department? These are the people representing the United States with these toxic, despicable ideas. The Department of State spokesman is defending a recent internal cable that urged staffers to avoid using gendered language like brave men and women. Oh, you can't say brave men and women because that's binary. I am sorry to bring you this news, but you can't morally defend ignoring it. It's troubling. I'm troubled and you have to be troubled country and western civilization are worth fighting for we can't let the left win and destroy all that is good the state department spokesman defended the memo as standard government practice that all it meant was to quote encourage people to just be respectful coming up a greater degree of clarity on what happened in 2016 the cia targeted 26 people on donald Trump's campaign. Now, don't you feel like we already went through this? When the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt returns in a moment. Stay with us. This is Dennis Prager, and now a truly exciting new benefit. My monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. For an hour each month, get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. I'll be answering your questions. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review. I'm Q Hewitt. We're going to go back a bit today to 2016. Donald Trump had done what almost no one thought was possible. Elite those within the Manhattan Beltway media elite. First, he won the GOP nomination. Then, more stunning, Trump went on to win on November 8th and became the 45th president of the United States. Donald Trump wins Wisconsin, surpassing the 270 electoral votes. He would need to take the presidency. That is what we are seeing on this screen. It has been a stunning night. It has been a historic night. It is a night that has so many echoes about what you two have talked about for so long with Brexit. Many of you were remembering that sort of reporting when we were hearing it. This is about as clear evidence you could find of intent by the campaign 
to collude with the Russians, to get uh, useful information from the Russians. I think there's plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy in plain sight. He is going to be delivering what I think are going to be his indictments, the final indictments. And I think they're shocked that the noose is tightening. He feels the noose is tightening. The noose is tightening. He may be the first president uh, in quite some time to face the real prospect of jail time. People might go to jail. You're exactly right. For the rest of their lives. I think they're all going to jail. Well, I think they're all going to end up together in prison, and maybe that's a good thing. Oh, my God. You're confident that at least some Trump associates will wind up in jail? If I was betting, I would say yes. And it went on and on and on. Collusion, collusion, collusion. Matt Taibbi, a name you might remember from the Twitter files, and Michael Schellenberger have recently published an in-depth look at what really happened in that era. Trish Regan responds from her podcast. The CIA targeted 26 people on Donald Trump's campaign. Now, don't you feel like we already went through this? Well, we did. But now, guess what? We're going to go through it again and on steroids for that matter. So this is a report that is coming courtesy of a couple of reporters. Matt Taibbi, you may be familiar with him. And he and one of his colleagues were working on this story. And it's pretty darn incredible. So 26 Trump associates may have been, quote unquote, bumped, bumped. That's like spy talk for targeted. You target a certain number of people and uh, then you bump into them with overseas agents. So we have a number of agencies that we work with. The CIA works with MI6, for example. And you tell all your MI6 contacts, hey, you know what? We're really interested in this kid. Can you find a way to get to know him and figure out what's going on? So they allegedly, per this report, did this 26 times. Now, when I say, wait a second, it feels like memory lane, like we've been there, done that. It feels like that, right? Because, oh, that's exactly what happened. At least that time it was the FBI. Remember Carter Page, who had his... Phone tapped there at Trump Tower. I'll never forget it. Boy, was Donald Trump angry, angry, angry when he was running, by the way. So furious when he found out that his guy on his campaign had had his phone tapped. He was livid. He was absolutely furious. And then, you know, you fast forward a few years and you get the Mueller report one and two. And what do you find out? Oh, well, you see... We deliberately did that. Kevin Kleinsmith, is his name, the FBI lawyer, actually falsified some documents in order to get a FISA warrant because they wanted to tap Carter Page's phone. So they had to go run around and get these FISA warrants in order to do this. But it it was really questionable just exactly how they were getting the FISA warrants and why they were getting the FISA warrants, for goodness sakes. And so we're coming back to these same exact issues here with these allegations of 26 people. Look, It's been proven. Just go read the Mueller report. Just go see what happened to Kevin Kleinsmith. Yeah, they spied on Carter Page. We know that. The FBI did that. And Trump kept trying to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. Boy, he got nowhere, especially with uh, Miss 60 Minutes there, Leslie Stahl, who's, who's very proud of the fact that she works for 60 Minutes and wants him to know this is 60 Minutes, so he can't just talk about the spying stuff. That's not true, right? Except it is, but here we go. So the biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my campaign. Well, there's no e- real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. 
Leslie, Sir, they spied on my campaign and they got I, caught. Can I say something? You know, this is 60 Minutes, and we can't put on things we can't no, verify. You won't put it on because it's bad for Biden. We can't Look, put on things we can't verify. Leslie, they spied and, on my campaign. Well, we can't verify It's been totally that. verified. No. It's been, just go down and get the papers. They spied on my campaign, they got caught. No. And then they went much further than that, and they got caught. And you will see that, Leslie, and you know that, but you just don't want to no. put it on the air. No, as a matter of fact, I don't know that. <laughs> well, you know, Leslie, it turned out that, yeah, they, they did. Yes, that is exactly what they did. Many of you are saying, what's new here? Didn't we know this already? Matt Taibbi explains in his conversation with Sebastian Gorka. What's different about what you and Michael Schellenberger and your colleague Alex Gutentag have given for us today? Could you tell us what you have brought to the table? Because it is explosive. What we have that's different is we have sources who are close to the House Permanent Select Committee on Investigations who have direct knowledge of reports that were never declassified. Uh, So the details about the surveillance campaign that was conducted against members of the Trump campaign and associates of Trump, for instance, the number 26, we were told 26 people were placed under surveillance. That's new. Um, There are a number of new details, but it's, you know, sort of icing on the top of a cake that has already been baked over the years by unrecognized investigators. The United States intelligence community, the IC, including the Central Intelligence Agency, illegally mobilized foreign intelligence agencies to target Trump advisors long before the summer of 2016. So here's, you know, the the key maybe novel aspect on top of your new source that we thought all of this started in 2016 with the end of the Obama administration. But now you have confirmation that the UK, that Australia, that Italy were already targeting members of the Trump campaign back in March of 2016. What were they doing? Look, there was a series of unusual news reports that came out after this whole scandal emerged. Uh, You might remember a couple of them. There was a profile of Christopher Steele in The New Yorker, yeah. written by Jane Mayer. There was another story by Luke Harding uh, at The Guardian. And it talked about how the origin of this story was actually Britain's GCHQ. The, the British version of the NSA had intercepted some troubling traffic. The uh, New Yorker used the phrase, a uh, stream of illicit communications. Uh, and they talked about catching these things as early as late 2015. And the story went that they tried to alert RCIA. And the detail is always included in these stories that RCIA was slow in the draw, that they didn't respond quickly enough. And that eventually this turned into a series of investigative actions, which you might call sort of loyalty checks or wellness checks, which aren't uncommon, by the way, right? So our intelligence agencies get word that maybe some American is trending towards going over to a foreign adversary, so they will check up on that person. What's unusual in this case is they did it to a whole slew of people in the Trump campaign under a kind of umbrella theory of collusion and coordination that they never had predication for. Coming up, 
the culpability of legacy media. They got this thing wrong all the way from the start, and they are not going to correct it, which is unbelievable to me. More with Matt Taibbi when the Town Hall Review returns in a moment. Hi, it's Mike Gallagher. I start every day by reading through the stories at Daybreak Insider. In just 10 minutes, I can zip through 10 stories that help me start my day and help shape where I go with The Mike Gallagher Show. Over a quarter million people get Daybreak Insider by email daily, and it's available to you at no cost. Go to daybreakinsider.com and simply plug in your email. That's daybreakinsider.com. In five minutes, you will be the most informed person in the office. That's daybreakinsider.com. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. When it comes to exposing in depth what really happened between the 2016 election cycle and the Russiagate story, Matt Taibbi is not the profile of the type of reporter you think would be the man for the job. After all, he was, for 15 years, a reporter with Rolling Stone magazine. That's on the left, about as far left as you can go. Let's return for more of the conversation of Sebastian Gorka, with said Matt Taibbi. So let, let's talk a little bit about you. How did you get to be Mr. Twitter Files, right-hand man of Elon Musk, and now verifying the fact that the intelligence, the most powerful intelligence community in the world was used as a political weapon against the 45th president of the United States? Give us a little potted history of how that happened. It's an interesting story. This Trump-Russia story, I, I have to say... It's not an exaggeration to say it had a profound effect on my personal life. I'd probably still be working at Rolling Stone, where I was for 15 years, if it were not for this story. Now, I wasn't fired. I wasn't squeezed out. But there were a handful of us in the mainstream press. Basically, we just expressed a little bit of skepticism. There was a sort of distant note of, well, where's the evidence for that? Uh and this became considered heretical. Well, what happened when, when you, your colleagues said, hang on a second, can, can we see the evidence of traitors inside the Trump campaign? What reaction did you get from your colleagues? Oh, I was, you know, denounced. I was uh, called a Putin lover, uh, wow. um, you know, a, a traitor to the United States, a, a, a secret uh, Trump admirer. I mean, every, you know, a bigot, a misogynist, every, every kind of thing that they can throw at you there was an there was incredible pressure that was placed on journalists and it's not such a big deal for people like me because i'm always going to be landing on my feet i'm experienced in this business but what i think happened was that a lot of other younger reporters who work in the system looked at what happened to me and say glenn greenwald and thought you know i don't i don't need that so i'm just going to be quiet and that definitely happened i know that happened because i talked to a lot of folks who didn't say anything uh, during that time period. But it was very uncomfortable. And, you know, I, I actually pitched to the magazine Rolling Stone. I said, look, this story looks like it's wrong. It looks like a repeat of the WMD fiasco where we had cooked intelligence. And Rolling Stone could be, you know, we could be ahead of the game if we were the first mainstream organization to uncover that. And I was sort of politely told that that was not a story they were interested in. So I knew my time was limited at that point uh, at at the magazine. I think you've called yourself in a prior interview, and we've been on panels together on Newsmax, uh, you know, a classic ACLU journalist, a man of the left. 
For, for our audience, can you explain why this story is so important to Matt Taibbi? Because we know all of these people are innocent because not one of the 26 is sitting in prison right now as an agent of uh, you know, Putin's Kremlin. Why is the FBI, the CIA, the Obama White House using other countries' intelligence agencies as a political targeting tool? Why, why should this be the biggest story of, of the last 10, 20 years? Well, there are a lot of reasons. I mean, think about Watergate. Um, this story is similar to Watergate. I, I would actually venture to say it's far more serious. In in the example of Watergate, you had a presidential administration that was anxious to conduct surveillance of their opponents, but they had to do it in secret. They had to uh, create a their own homegrown team of plumbers who had to be paid out of envelopes in the committee to reelect the president, and they had to commit a quote-unquote third-rate burglary to implant listening devices at the DNC. Here we have whole institutions that were captured uh, in the effort to conduct surveillance on associates of the Trump campaign. We had the CIA involved. We have the FBI involved. We have, on the other end, where the unmasking uh, of people in the transcripts that were collected. We, we have the National Security Council. We have the White House. There are lots and lots of organizations that we have to look at. It wasn't something that they hid. It was something that they did in plain view. And that is why it's more serious. And, and as, as to, for, to the question of why someone like me would care about this, uh, it's not just an enormous abuse of power by the you know the intelligence community and the law enforcement the kind of thing that inspired the church committee hearings in the 70s which reformed the cia and the fbi but it's an enormous failure of media which is my entire life i yeah. grew up in journalism and our whole thing is about getting things right and wrong and they got this thing wrong all the way from the start and they are not going to correct it which is unbelievable to me Coming up, we'll look at Trump's response during the 2016 cycle. Classified signals intelligence is leaking out, and he's being accused essentially of an espionage conspiracy to fix an election with Russia, and he's supposed to what, be quiet? When the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt returns in a moment. John Solomon provides exclusive reporting and newsmaker interviews on John Solomon Reports on the Salem Podcast Network. We broke this story because we got the documents early. They put out this new information, and it affirms our reporting that this Democrat donor gave about $5 million or more in assistance to Hunter Biden, basically paid off his bills. Subscribe to John Solomon Reports today on Apple, Spotify, Google, Rumble, or at SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. So, in light of what we know today, how are the events of 2016 connected to what we are seeing unfold today? I'm referring most specifically to Special Prosecutor Jack Smith and the raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. That, of course, is just one of the court proceedings Trump is juggling as we go through this election cycle. Let's pick up on more of Sebastian Gorka and Matt Taibbi. So, binders. According to uh, your report, 
I'm reading summaries from the great Margot Cleveland at The Federalist. And, and this, is, this is like the ticking time bomb. I think this is the big... Yes, you know, we shouldn't use spy agencies to spy on anybody's campaign. I, I don't know who you are. I don't care who you are. Okay, unless you're actually a spy, you're working for North Korea or Putin, you know, they shouldn't be spying on you. But here, here, how about this? Your report states the following... Details about the FBI's investigation of the Trump campaign and the raw intelligence related to the intelligence community's illegal surveillance of the Trump campaign are in a 10-inch binder that President Trump ordered to be declassified at the end of his term. So, you know, there is a set of documents that prove that this was a hatchet job by Obama, by Brennan, by Clapper, by Comey. And I had Cash Patel, former assistant director of national intelligence, almost a year ago on my show say, or float this idea. The FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago was to get the binder back to reclassify it to deep six it or shred it so this whole story that you and Michael and Alex have uncovered would never see the light of day. Is that plausible to you? Have you had a secondary confirmation? Talk to us about the binder, Matt. So this is the most complicated part of the story. We've been told that there are up to three different binders that are being referred to. We have conflicting reports from sources. We have a couple of sources who believe that the Mar-a-Lago raid may have been motivated, at least in part, by a fear that certain materials got out, either one of the binders or a report about the uh, creation of the intelligence community assessment, which is supposedly in a vault at the CIA, but there are rumors that one individual got it out. Uh, and, that, and, and when you say this, the intelligence community assessment, that's the assessment of the, the, the Russia hoax, which would be embarrassing if it got out? So the, the, this was the published intelligence community assessment from January 6th. Uh, coincidental date, right? Uh, from January 6th of 2017 was released by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence that said that Vladimir Putin had con- had ordered an influence campaign in order to denigrate Hillary Clinton and to help President-elect Trump's electoral chances. And this, uh, what our report that's coming out is going to detail how that ICA, uh, they call it an intelligence community assessment, It's a smaller, more agile project than what you might have heard of as a national intelligence estimate. Yes. uh, The traditional thing that the CIA does. Um, That ICA was described to us as cooked intelligence. They uh, upgraded unreliable sources, downgraded reliable sources, and left out information like, for instance, that Russia was perfectly comfortable with the Hillary Clinton presidency. They were um, fine. They liked the, the idea of the continuity of her being in office. So the, the myth that they were terrified of Hillary and that they were very anxious to put Donald Trump in office um, was created on the back of manipulated intelligence. Wow. Wow. We are unpacking it segment by segment. All right, Matt. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let me di- diverge a little bit. Cut four. 
he's taking these shots, this antagonism, yep. this taunting to the intelligence Let me tell community. You, you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. I mean, just think about that statement. Senator is threatening the president, right, Matt? It's unbelievable, uh, especially considering the context of what was going on. This is an incoming president-elect. Reports are leaking out left and right. Classified signals intelligence is leaking out uh, about his most senior appointees, like Michael Flynn. And he's being accused, essentially, of an espionage conspiracy to fix an election with Russia. And he's supposed to, what, be quiet? And, and this is also, as we were finding out, uh, that members of his campaign team were placed under surveillance. You're not supposed to ask questions about that. You're not supposed to tell the American people about that. Again, I was not a fan of Donald Trump, but what's he supposed to do? Yeah. Be quiet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot to be unearthed about a trip that was unauthorized by the White House by Admiral Rogers to Trump Tower during the transition phase when President Trump was still elect president and hadn't been sworn in. I think Admiral Rogers knew what had been done to the candidate and now president-elect, and he tried to warn him. Do you have any other theory, or what do you think of mine? I think that's a plausible theory. Admiral Rogers is a person whom I've hoped to interview view for almost eight years now for uh, one very good reason. He was part of the team that did the initial intelligence community assessment. Uh, the NSA refused to sign off saying that they had high confidence that Russia had conducted influence uh, activities to help Trump. Me meaning they refused to make that statement. Right. Now, they said they had moderate confidence, but if you talk to intelligence officers, they'll tell you what that means. That means that we, we, we don't have, have confidence in this. The FBI actually changed their minds before the election. They said that they, they told The New York Times they didn't, they didn't feel that that was true. But then at, in December of 2016, they said that they did. But the NSA never moved off that position, which suggests that Admiral Rogers, who was the person involved in that team, you know, that he had a, a point of view about all of this. Uh, if there had been, you know, a conspiracy involving uh, Trump in Russia, there would have been an enormous signals intelligence record. And my guess is that the NSA, not discovering this, had a, a, a great deal of trouble endorsing this investigatory. Coming up. This episode, I think, has dealt a devastating blow to the credibility of mainstream journalism. And the problem that we all see from the outside looking in is they don't recognize that there is a problem. In the final segment of the Town Hall Review with you, Hewitt. Stay with us. Charlie Kirk here. It is critical we keep AM radio in all cars and all trucks. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for news, weather, and opinions. AM is also the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping you advised of threatening weather conditions and amber alerts. Text AM to number 52886. Tell Congress that we need AM radio in our cars. Again, text AM to the number 52886. Standard message and data rates may apply. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. I have been around for a few years. 
Right out of college, I worked with President Nixon in San Clemente in the wake of Watergate. San Clemente in the mid-70s in California was the Elba of America. But you got a lot done there. I've been doing this radio show since 2000. I've been on the radio since 1990. And I've walked with my listeners through each chapter of the Trump era, and another chapter is being written right now. Let me just say this. I share Matt Taibbi's concerns with what I typically call legacy media. Let's catch just a few more minutes of Sebastian Gorka with Matt Taibbi. I'm going to ask you the typical Washington question, you know, the elevator pitch. If an alien landed right now and said, oh, this racket news, this is interesting. What's this story about uh, 26 people being spied upon? Or you're a journalist. You've gone out on your own because you believe in the truth. If you are counseling or trying to inform a 22-year-old budding journalist why this story matters and what it's about, what does Taibi say? Well, I think the elevator pitch is there was a broad, officially sanctioned political espionage campaign directed against the opposition party of the the sitting president at the time, which is a very similar story to Watergate. But the major difference here is that it involved the entire government and it involved the use of incredibly advanced surveillance tools and foreign allies. You know, as for what I would tell young journalists, why does this story matter? Uh, Because this is a story about the most serious forms of abuse of power, right up to and including uh, corruption of the news media, which is supposed to act as a check against all this stuff. They were active accomplices in this entire scheme. And it proves that when the press doesn't work independently, you can get away with all kinds of terrible things. And I think the story turns out to be the ultimate example of that. On that note, you, Greenwald, others have, have decided to tread their own path, establish themselves, you know, as their own sources of journalism. You know, it's like John Solomon with Justin News. I love this stuff. I mean, this is this is what the Internet was actually designed to provide us, that kind of platform. I got to ask you, as a guy who's, you know, been in the belly of the beast at Rolling Stone for 15 years, is the establishment media, in your opinion, Matt Taibbi, is it redeemable? Is it salvageable? <laughs> I don't think so. Hunter Thompson once famously said that if you took a group photo of the 10 best journalists in the world, it would be a monument to human ugliness. That was in the heyday of journalism. Um, there, there aren't 10 great journalists uh, left right now. And this episode, I think, has dealt a devastating blow to the credibility of mainstream journalism. And the problem that we all see from the outside looking in is they don't recognize that there is a problem. You saw that the Columbia Journalism Review did a 24,000-word deconstruction of all the errors in the story last year, and there's been nothing at all, not a single move to do any kind of reckoning. They, They don't see it. They like this new role of being partners to power, and that is not redeemable. That's not a good role for the press. Thanks for joining us for the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. If you enjoyed the program and a podcast, do us a favor of sharing it with a friend. Let me point out, you can get Seb's podcast and my podcast. You can also get Trish Regan's podcast and this program, Town Hall Review, all at SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Special thanks to executive producer Russell Shubin and producers David Bouchon, Alex Perez, Adam Ramsey, and Dwayne Patterson. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for joining us.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.